Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. Spooksters, welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. It is I, one of your co-hosts, Jessica, and as per usual, I am joined by my best ghoul friend, Tara. Hey, Spooksters. This week, instead of a stabby, we are doing another patron select episode, and this comes from Kenya. She requested that we discuss the topic of Filipino witchcraft, and to say that this topic is little is an understatement, but it's also very, I'm learning, very close to the chest. Okay. And, of course, I just am going to out myself now and say... I pronounce things horribly. Please forgive me in the rest of this episode. You're forgiven. Thank you, friend. Okay. I didn't know a lot about this topic when I started, mainly because when I think the Philippines, my mind instantly drifts to the eight-hour Catholic wedding my uncle made my family go through when he got married to my Aunt Rebecca. It was grueling. And so therefore, (laughs) I assumed that it was Catholic, which I'm not wrong. But Catholicism didn't come to the Filipino islands until like the 15th century. So there was some history of more indigenous religious beliefs. It's like weird to call it witchcraft, in my opinion, because like when I think witchcraft, I think like Harry Potter. Mm Mm-hmm. And this seems more of like a religious aspect, like how voodoo is. Like it's something where people practice. Yeah. Not just like casting spells, but like it's a part of their life and how they function. Oh, yeah. In the Philippines, the Philippines do tend to be more Catholic based in their religious belief. And that is due to the Spanish. They're arriving in about the 15th to 18th century. It did introduce Catholicism. But the really great thing about a lot of the because one of the things I didn't realize is how big the Philippine islands were, like how many there are. And I didn't write that number down. So I'm not going to quote it because I'll be like, it was 708. And I'll find out it was like four. (laughs) Like, guys, that's how my luck works. You have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a lot of blends between the ancient practices and then Catholicism, which we do see a lot in other types of witchcraft as well. Numerous records indicate that in pre-colonial times, the Philippines worshipped Bathala, which was a, oh my gosh, please again, forgive me, a Tagalog supreme deity who created the universe. Um, They also believed in spirits of their ancestors and guardians kind of embodying nature. And it said that they had like special abilities, but they could also appear in the form of like a human form. And they were called inquintos. And a lot of times this is what like the elders would say and also like how they would talk about like some bad entities as well. Throughout the Philippines, a lot of times that like 
witches are also known as healers. There was one video that I saw that was like, it was a BBC production, but I could only find like a clip of it. And it was basically like investigative reporter went to the Philippines and interviewed a woman who practiced and it was more of like alternative healing. Mm-hmm. she put like some sort of liquid in a glass it looked like water to me but i don't really know and like would blow bubbles through a straw and then like hold the glass to someone's back and like rub it which i don't know probably felt really good okay but also it's another way that they would tell like gory stories like specifically one i came across it was a type of vampire that would split into two and its upper torso to the head would fly from rooftops devouring Fetuses of pregnant women with its huge bat wings. And they were called Tic Tics. Oh, God. That sounds terrifying. And it said that they were shape-shifting witches. That's scary. So this is like the bad version. Interesting. And then also like claims of either that or it's like a big black bird. And I'm not sure if this is just like one of those stories that they tell kids to like be good. But then I don't understand as well because it affects pregnant women. True. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, in some heavily Catholic areas, the practice is taboo because if you know, like, the like Judeo-Christian background, the Bible talks about witchcraft as, like, a no-no. So, in a lot of heavily religious areas, it's considered taboo. Mm-hmm. In the Philippines, it is no different. But, like I mentioned earlier, most Filipino witches are just really great herbalists that, like, practice it. We'll talk a little later about other forms that come along with like voodoo and stuff like that. One of the practices of witchcraft there is known as kalim or kulim. It has been presented throughout the Philippines before the Spanish colonies. Today it has central locations in, again, I am so sorry, Pampanga, Talora, and West Samaria and Sosogon. And this is where a lot of, like, the faith leaders reside. It also can be known as black magic. And it uses things like beetles, effigies, poppets, boiling pots, and other types of, like, representation of the target. It's typically linked in some sort of, like, bodily way. So, like, fingernails, hair, I don't want to know what else. (laughs) I'm assuming blood is probably an option. We'll just go with those. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to go with hair and nail clippings. That seems pretty PG. Uh, (laughs) And it is activated by chance spells and symbols, sorcerers or witches. And this is like where the voodoo kind of comes into it because the sorcerer then or witch then harms the effigy to cause corresponding harm to the victim or physically sends an object into the body of the victim. Think pens and a doll type thing. And then on the other side of it, like the healing is more like earthbound. So like earth and fire and herbs and spices and candles and that kind of stuff is used in ritual spells and potions. And I don't know, it's really interesting that it's like both it has like a duality to it, that there's like a good aspect of it and then a bad aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Because you often think or in the West traditionally we're trained to think like witches are bad and i don't think that at all no i think that a lot of times they're just doing their best and i don't think that most witches are sitting around like casting spells on people no it's one of those areas that it's either misunderstood or it's misconstrued really easy and so like you know in this case ancestors way 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 back are like no witches are bad so then it's like trickle down you know as the generations go 
Right. And we've talked about this on the show before. Here's the thing. Again, I'm not against Christians. I is one. So I'm not like bad you Christians. But like (laughs) as a faith, Christianity has a tendency to go in and be like the kid on the playground that like takes all the balls and is like, you do it my way and then you get one back, which is not what I think it was intended for. (laughs) So when we're going to talk about this later, how there's been a resurgence in it and it has a lot to do with like the dogma of like oversaturated religious aspects of life. So I was like, okay, I get this. And I was looking for some sort of like some sort of example to give you. So sometimes like symbology is huge in QLIM. And what it is, is like, say, for instance, you took some seawater and boiled it and then put whatever linked. So let's say a toenail, just plopped that in there. And then you boiled it and you like linked it to the victim. It would cause the victim's belly to swell and ache when the tides came in and out. So I was like, that's kind of a fun little thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This kind of sorcery or witchcraft was documented as early as the 17th century by Francis Combs. And Francis Combs was a Spanish priest who established Christian monasteries in the Philippines in the 17th century. So obviously he's like, oh my God, these people are over here like boiling pots of water and causing (laughs) other people to have bodily harm. Which I'm like, power to you. What a like... (laughs) passive way of handling this. I like it. And then there is a, another form, and it's pronounced birang. And the term refers to a type of beetle. And this usually employs a swarm of destructive insects. You like sick bugs on people. Get them. Other methods are like using sharp objects, poisons, boiling different things. And it often like comes down to like brewing something. Some, some sort of like, I don't want to say poison necessarily, but like that's what pops in my head is a brew. Like I have hocus pocus feelings right now. Oh man, I want to watch it now. <laughs> I'm so excited that it's almost Halloween. Every day is Halloween. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and then other types of like with this, there's like more malevolent powers that are more direct and that can actually include the ability to kill another person instantly with a magic spell or cast a curse or the evil eye, which it's like the ability to abduct someone's soul, or you have the ability to abduct someone's soul and the ability to send evil spirits or familiar animals to possess or harm a victim. So Birang is a little bit more like intense, whereas like the first one is more like, I'm going to cause you to have a stomach ache today. This one's like, I'm going to send a bunch of fucking beetles to your house and hope it eats it down. Ooh, right. In most cases, however, accusations for this type of black magic are often born out of paranoia, moral panic, or mass hysteria. And basically, it did coincide a lot with like the European witch hunts. That time frame is that this is kind of when this was like stomped out in the Philippines, like heavily outside of like more of the healer aspect of it because, um, you know, worldwide insanity. And a lot of areas had what they like, they had shamans. Mm -hmm. We're kind of familiar with that concept. Shamans would specialize in communicating, appraising, and harnessing spirits of the dead and the spirits of nature. There was almost always a woman or fertilized man. I don't understand what that means. It's like a fertile man? Because that makes sense. Because I don't know if you can fertilize a man. I mean, technically you can fertilize a man. And so, like, these spirits are believed to be guides that can conduct... And talk to like spirits and other deities in the spiritual world. And their primary role, the shamans, is as like a medium. 
and like seance rituals. There's various types of shaman and they specialize in the arts of healing, herbalism, divination and sorcery, which kind of was like, now this is sounding a little bit like Harry Potter because divination. I think that's more like mainstream stuff like you see in other cultures kind of carry over. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And there's like a bunch of names and I'm going to put them on the sources page because I would totally disrespect these cultures if I said them for my pronouncing. Like I am horrible at them. So there's a list of them that's going to be on there. And there's various types of like ethnic groups that like really did these. And they were scattered throughout the different islands. And basically their version of like a healer or like the name that was associated with them would often translate into witch or hag or sorcerer into like English, which I think is more like just us being assholes <laughs> than anything else. Like being honest here. Like, yeah, they're like, what does that mean? Oh, no, that means witch. No, that means hag. So if you are a practitioner of Kulam, you would be a Manku Kulam. And that is like what is considered a Filipino witch. Like I said, it's a practitioner of that. And you do a lot of cool things, but one of the things you do is there's a curse that is called Sumpa, which is translated into vow or oath or curse. And if you are one of these, this is like also where the voodoo dolls come in. You basically cast spells on the needles and then you stab people. You can't see me, but I am stabbing the air. (laughs) The primary methods done by the Mankulam are candle rituals, scrying, spells, and potions. And if you are a target of someone in this, you are Kinukulam. And obviously, each person is treated differently. And healers, like healers slash sorcerers who practice Kulam, usually justify it as a form of like criminal punishment as a widespread belief that black magic does not work on people who are innocent, which is cool. So they usually target wrongdoers like thieves, adulterous spouses, land grabbers, or, you know, assholes are now part of this group. Mm-hmm. And there are also true sorcerers who said to have inherited this. So it's like a hereditary sorcery power. Also, I read online, there's kind of a debate about this. Like, can anyone be a witch? And it's like some people say that it has to be like hereditary and in the family. And others are like, no, you just really need to believe and like connect to that like network of energy and spirits. Mm-hmm. And if you are a person who wants to connect to that, you would be labeled as a bombaring. And that is an ordinary human with black magic who can torture and kill people with insects. It's very specific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're going to definitely want to do this. And I don't think this these people discriminate. I think these people are just like, mm. but something I found very interested in this when I was doing the research was this. So basically, there's like bugs that get like into the body and then the victim will feel the effects of the invasion of the insects through the manifestation depending on the area of entry. But if it goes through the bum, you're gonna get hemorrhoids. Oh, okay. So for all of you out there suffering from hemorrhoids, you have beetles in your bum. Sorry, friends. Obviously, like, if it goes in through your ear, you get an earache, you get, Mm -hmm. like, sores in your mouth, Mm -hmm. like, same with, like, nose. So, basically, wherever it attacks you. But I just thought it was very interesting about the hemorrhoids because it was, like, 
That's so specific. <laughs> right. And I don't want to tell people what hemorrhoids are. If you don't know, Google them. Have fun. Don't click on images, probably. Don't click on images. <laughs> so now let's say you've been cursed by either one of these like different type of sorcerers. Well, if they subscribe to the Kulam, basically you could go and bribe them to lift the curse. I'm sure today they take Venmo. I mean, I would. Right. <laughs> and obviously, like, if you're in this culture, like, things of, like, illness probably make you think you've been cursed. So oftentimes that would make you seek out, um, especially in rural areas, like, herbal doctors, which surprisingly oftentimes may be the person who cursed you. Oh. Can you imagine? You're like, oh, my goodness, I have some hemorrhoids and I need help. And they're like, hmm, motherfucker, little do you know, I'm the reason you have those hemorrhoids. And not <laughs> all the reasons otherwise. Um, <laughs> so a lot, yeah, like I said, a lot of times they end up going to these this person to get healed. And so, of course, they know exactly how to handle this because they just need to, like, stop boiling their seawater for your stomach ache. Or, you know, I don't know how they get the beetles out, though. And most sorcerer attack or sorceress attacks are commonly treated with counter spells and antidotes, which they themselves is a form of sorcery and usually doesn't require interaction with the spirit. So like if someone's giving you hemorrhoids and they decide that they like you again, they just like undo it. Every time I'm thinking hemorrhoids, I'm thinking of like South Park. Oh God. Where, like the kid gets hemorrhoids. <laughs> And like a, a lot of times, if it's not the person, like if you are not, but like if you're go to the healer, but that healer isn't, sometimes healers and other people will try to kill or have a curse put on the person who cast the spell. So it's like a bunch of people, like it's like never ending. Mm -hmm. I curse you, you curse someone else. Right. It's just like circle. Mm -hmm. An interesting fact is that at one point in time, a darker form of remedies were believed to like whip the bewitched person until they're forced to divulge the witch's name and confront him or her. Basically, they're like, if we beat you and you're the witch, you're going to give it up real quick. Which I'm like, dude, this makes no sense. I'm sorry. Zero sense being made. Now, like I mentioned earlier, I came across an article which I thought was really interesting and it'll be, it'll be on the sources page. But it basically, right now in the Philippines, there is a rise in um, millennials switching from like the traditional Catholicism over to a more like ancestral belief system or more indigenous belief system. And it's actually coming up into different kinds of businesses. Like it's becoming really mainstream. Like there are three restaurants, occult bars, like, you know how in, like, the United States we have, like, different beers that, like, will have kind of, like, spookier labeling and stuff? It's happening there as well. And it's happening, like, around those particular beliefs to kind of bring in kind of the old way, but the new way. And a lot of younger generations, like, so my age and Tara's age are starting to, re <laughs> to really get into it because they're like, this is a different way. And I totally understand this because like, I grew up in a very like religious household and like that belief system was like all or nothing, which is can be great. Like, I'm not saying that's not right and to each their own, but I can see where someone who may be forced to believe in something that they don't believe in will look for something a little bit more like to their own soul. And a lot of times with these type of practices or this type of religious element, it's very like centered around like earth and like internal feelings. And I feel like it's about communing with like what's around you. And so 
I can see why this would be, whereas like Catholicism is very structured and very like you do this and this, this and this. And it's it's not about like your interaction with the, your environment. It's more about like being told what to do, which is what I've learned because like my husband's family is extremely Catholic and like I've observed it through them and seeing that. So I totally get why youngsters, I'm not young, <laughs> um, millennials are are going out and like looking and It'll be interesting to see in like 10 years what the, like the geography of witchcraft in the Philippines will look like. Again, thank you to Kenya for being a patron. We appreciate it and we appreciate you taking the time to give us this topic to look at. So with that, we are going to wrap it up for this week's episode and we will see you back here on Monday. Toodles. Bye. Bye.